And Carol Hartle is our team administrator. Welcome to any new readers and all our old faithful ones. We will be reading news from the week beginning Friday, August the 27th, up to and including Thursday the 2nd of September. We'll start with the headline news stories and then a selection of general interest articles, uh, highlights from the sports pages and we'll end our contribution with the obituaries. Um, this week, the sunrise is at 6.23am and sunset is 7.53. So the days are getting shorter. Um, our birthdays, we have one birthday, uh, Linda Bather on the 14th of September. So happy birthday for the 14th, uh, Linda. And we have a thought for the day, a thought for the week, um, which comes this week from Psalm 63, verses 2 to 5. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than my life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods, with singing lips, my mouth will praise you. And I'll now pass you over to Ian, who will give you some useful phone numbers and a little bit about what's on in the area. Thank you. Well, the phone number for us here in Wilds Lane is 01905 767766. Police non-emergency number is 101. For Crime Stoppers, phone 0800-555-111. Worcester Hub, 01905-765-765. Worcester Live is on 01905-611-427. Malvern Theatres, Zero one six eight four eight nine double two double seven. Out of hours medical services is on triple one and Samaritans double one six one two three and this is a free phone number. One item uh, for an event uh, is the Remy Harris Jazz and Blues Project, which is coming to Worcester and will be appearing at Huntington Hall on Friday, September the 10th to kick off Remy's rescheduled Autumn 2021 tour. One of the UK's most exciting jazz and blues guitarists, Remy Harris, 
has a growing international reputation for blending all of his influences into his own individual style of playing. Remy's performance will feature a variety of acoustic and electric guitars, and he will be joined on stage by long-term collaborators Tom Moore on double and electric bass and Shane Dixon on drums. Started recording, so... Okay. And now that takes us to the headlines. Starting on Friday, August the 27th, Lucky Escape, Big Bangs from Blaze. A family miraculously escaped unharmed after their house caught fire in Worcester. Five fire crews were called to a house in Friesland Close, Blackpool. An eyewitness said he had heard two big bangs while working from his study, which is immediately behind the house. On looking out of his window, he said the fire was already well ablaze at around 1pm. Firefighters extinguished the blaze within half an hour of their arrival. Significant damage was caused to the property, with a member of the fire service confirming the whole top floor of the house had caught a blaze. The family were stood outside as a reporter arrived at the scene. Neighbours came outside to give them chairs to sit on and extended family also came to the house. A fire service spokesman said, Five Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service crews from Worcester, Malvern and Droitwich plus the service drone from Ledbury were called at 12.41 on August the 26th to a house fire in Friesland Close, Worcester. All residents were accounted for and the fire was fought by four firefighters using breathing apparatus, using two hose reel jets and one covering jet with the water supply augmented from a hydrant. The gas supply was isolated and Western Power were also requested to attend. The police also attended. A source close to the family said they had been told it was most likely an electrical appliance that had sparked the fire. Activity at the scene continued well into the afternoon. Uh, Lead story for Saturday and Sunday, August 28th, 29th. Furry threat to buildings. Foraging squirrels are causing havoc at historic buildings by Worcester Cathedral. The furry vandals have gained access to the cathedral-owned buildings on the site of the old palace on Deansway by leaping from nearby trees. Now the diocese has applied to cut back two trees after the squirrels caused considerable damage to the listed buildings. Details on the application revealed that the rodents have caused damp in the properties, with their presence introducing a microclimate into the premises, which neighbour Worcester's second oldest building. The old palace dates back to as early as 1270, arguably making it Worcester's second most significant building behind the cathedral. For centuries it played host to several of the nation's monarchs, including Elizabeth I and Charles I, as well as King George III. Chiefly used as the official residence for bishops of Worcester throughout the ages, the building was sold in the 1840s to the dean and chapter of the cathedral to become the deanery. In the early 1900s, the building was turned into the official headquarters of the Worcester Diocese and the church club, with it being deemed too big for the home of the dean, and that is how it has since remained. No appeals have currently been lodged against the application, 
which aims to cut two metres off the lower limbs of both trees to stop the squirrels from making the jump to the buildings. The consultation period for the application ends on September the 3rd, with the final say delegated to a case officer rather than Worcester City's Council Planning Committee. Despite the application listing the squirrels as the main reason for the works, a spokesman for the cathedral said, Although squirrels have caused some damage to buildings on the old palace site, the main purpose of the planning application to cut back a couple of trees slightly to improve the environment for local residents. Monday, August the 30th, funeral help rejected due to £7. A pensioner with learning difficulties who disabled, whose disabled wife died has been denied finance for her funeral because he is £7 over the income threshold. Diane Sanders of Malvern died aged 71 on August the 20th after dealing with lung cancer. She had learning difficulties, as does her husband of 19 years, Danny Sanders, who, was found, who has found himself unable to afford his wife's funeral. He made an application to the Department of Work and Pensions for support, but was denied any financial help due to his pension receipt being £7 above the threshold. Family and friends are trying to raise funds to give Diane a proper send-off. Diane's cousin, Joanne Tumney, has labelled the government's response as disgusting. She said, We are absolutely distraught with the loss of our beautiful Diane and absolutely disgusted with DWP. As you can imagine, our family is heartbroken that we cannot give Diane the send-off that she deserves. She continued, As it stands, Diana won't be able to take her last journey in a hearse or be carried into the crematorium. All our family want is the best last journey and send-off we can possibly give Diane because the best she deserves the best. Paying tribute to her late relative, she added, Diane brought sunshine into whose ever life she entered. She suffered with crippling arthritis and lung cancer for many years, but she always had a big smile on her face. Diane spent many hours at St Richard's Hospice as a patient and then as a volunteer up until the arthritis took hold of her body. Diane loved to go on walks and loved a good party. Her favourite band was ABBA. We would call her the Dancing Queen. Family and friends are trying to gather £3,000 to cover the cost of the basic funeral service. Julie Perkins, a close friend of Diane's, has set up a GoFundMe page to try and raise the money. She said Diane's family are all trying to raise the funds, but this is a mammoth task. I wish to help in any way and help this beautiful lady, and I would really appreciate it if you could too. Even the smallest of donations would make a difference. Tuesday, August the 31st, Road Crash Deaths Appeal. Calls for action on two roads have been made after two death crashes. Condolences have been passed to the families of those who died in two crashes in recent days. And people have called for action to be taken at both the locations in Worcestershire and on a key road into the county where a 71-year-old man and a 44-year-old were killed. The first crash 
between a road sweeper lorry and a black BMW took place at around 6pm on Thursday night on the A46 Cheltenham Road in Hinton-on-the-Green, the Hinton Cross area of Evesham. The 71-year-old man driving the BMW died and his next of kin were informed, police said. A West Midlands Ambulance Service spokesman also said, Crews arrived at the scene of the collision to find the driver of the car, a man, in a critical condition, with bystander CPR already being carried out by an off-duty paramedic who came across the incident with assistance from police. Staff took over in the patient's treatment and administered advanced trauma care at the scene. However, sadly, despite everyone's best efforts, nothing could be done to save the man and he was confirmed deceased on scene. The road was closed for several hours while police investigations took place and was reopened in the early hours of Friday morning. People left messages to pay their respects, Rose Hooper saying, R.I.P. condolences to his family and friends, and Joanne Louise Bick adding, R.I.P. Meanwhile, Natalie Newey was one of those to ask for action to be taken to prevent further fatal crashes. This road is lethal for accidents. If it's not on the Hinton Cross Road section, it's further down on the Sedgeborough Junction, she said. They need to do something about it before more people pay the price. I dread driving on it. It's so sad and my heart goes out to his family. Chris Mark Taylor added, Sadly witnessed an accident in the same place about four weeks ago involving a man and a motorhome. Meanwhile on Saturday a 44-year-old woman died after a crash between a car and a lorry on the A44 Worcester Road near Bromyard. The crash between a silver Skoda Octavia Estate, a blue Audi Q5 and a white Volvo Traffic Arctic lorry took place at around 12.20pm. The driver of an Audi Q5, a woman from Hatfield, sustained fatal injuries as a result and died at the scene with her next of kin informed. The road was closed for several hours while investigation and recovery work took place. Louise Morris wrote, So, so sad. Carol Samuel said, Very sad, thinking of the family. While Amanda Cook said, So very sad. We missed it by minutes. Thinking of all involved. Wednesday, September the 1st. Gang's Trail of Havoc. A gang in a grey Vauxhall with a smashed back window have caused havoc across the city and beyond. The gang spent the bank holiday weekend speeding through country lanes leading to near misses with other worried road users. Several people reported almost being hit by a grey Vauxhall Vectra with a 57 plate in Clanes, Fernhill Heath and Droitwich. They included a woman who had to dive into a bush to avoid being hit as it drove at speed down Kennels Lane. There have also been reports of a near miss between the car and a horse and rider as well as a cyclist. Others had witnessed the driver and passengers behaving suspiciously. People have also been linking the car to the theft of a quad bike from a yard in Hadley near Clanes on Monday. Both vehicles were reportedly being driven closely together at speed after the theft. 
The car was eventually stuck in the long traffic jams caused by the Hanbury show where it drew attention from other drivers. One woman who was waiting in the queue a couple of cars behind said the car stood out a mile away. They stood out because there, where we could see it clearly it had no back window. They waited for the queue to move to create enough space to do a U-turn. The queue was so long they must have faced everyone on the way back up the road. It probably would have been more discreet to have sat where he was. She said there were two men in their late twenties dressed in tracksuit, jackets or hoodies. Police have not yet confirmed to the Worcester News the incidents are linked but did not did put out an appeal involving a Vauxhall Vectra with a smashed back window. Police are also appealing for information following an attempted theft of garden equipment from a home on School Road, Cutnall Green, involving a similar car on Saturday at 5pm. Thieves attempted to take a high-value hedge trimmer from the driveway of a property while the owners were close by. However, the gang were unable to load it into the grey 57-plate Vauxhall Vectra. The owner of the hedge trimmer managed to smash the rear window of the vehicle as the would-be thieves made their getaway. Fortunately, the hedge trimmer was left at the scene. In the attempted theft, it is believed five people were in the car, a mixture of men and women. Anyone with any information about this incident is asked to contact police on 101, quoting incident number 00. Four nine three. Thursday, September the second. Anger after lack of COVID refund. A fuming family has been left ninety pounds out of pocket after being refused a refund for Worcester Fake Festival after the mother contracted COVID. Doug and Lisa Clifford asked organisers for their money back or the possibility for the tickets to roll over to next year after Lisa tested positive for coronavirus on Friday. They were aghast when the festival refused, as they have seen other festivals where tickets have been rolled over if people tested positive for Covid. They were due to go to the festival on Pitchcroft the following day with their daughter Jessica, 13, and Jessica's friend Beth, also 13, but Mrs Clifford and her daughter must now isolate. Mr Clifford from Droitwich was disappointed to be told no refunds or tickets for next year and fears others with Covid may have decided to go instead of losing money. He said, I would have expected the organisers to honour a refund rather than potentially encourage infectious people to attend. £90 is a lot of money, and with all that's going on at the moment, it would have been nice for them to have done something rather than end up with nothing. Some people might go because they don't want to lose out on money. Worcester Fake Festival has not responded to requests for a comment, but the family did receive a response via Facebook Messenger. A person called Nathan suggested they give the tickets to someone else but said they did not encourage reselling. The message read, Unfortunately, we aren't able to provide refunds this close to the event date. The funds have now moved on to pay for the event and cannot be refunded. 
And as a touring company, we don't transfer tickets as future dates are never certain. Mr Clifford, however, said the family had been in Newquay just after Boardmasters Festival, where people were expected to show proof of either a negative lateral flow or PCR test or be double vaccinated. If they tested positive, the tickets were rolled over. They, Boardmasters, went above and beyond what they needed to do to keep everyone safe and even let ticket roll over for the following year for people who tested positive. Now moving on to articles of general interest. Two boys fell through the roof of an industrial unit, leaving one with potentially serious injuries. One of the boys was taken to Birmingham Children's Hospital after coming through the roof of the unit in Droitwich Road on Monday. The second boy received minor injuries and was discharged at the scene after being treated by paramedics. Midlands Air Ambulance was called and landed in the Tudor Grange playing fields between Droitwich Road and Bilford Road. A West Mercia police spokesman said they had received reports of a number of children on the roof at around 4.40pm. Around 4.40pm we were informed a number of boys were on the roof of an industrial unit in Droitwich Road. One of the boys was taken to hospital after he fell through the roof. A second boy, who also fell through the roof, was checked over by paramedics. A West Midlands ambulance service said it had responded to reports that people had fallen on Droitwich Road. A spokesman said, on arrival, we found two patients, both male. The first had sustained potentially serious injuries. He was conveyed to Birmingham Children's Hospital for further assessment. The second had sustained minor injuries. He was given self-care advice and discharged on scene. An invasive plant has been spotted on the riverbank opposite Worcester Cathedral. Knotweed was discovered by 80-year-old Elizabeth Chambers of Bromwich Road whilst on a walk and she has concerns that the weed may spread across the river. She said, I've seen it while going out for walks and I'm surprised nobody else has commented on it. It is invasive. It destroys. It is almost impossible to get rid of. It ruins people's lives. She added, if it is not this invasive species, it looks like it. Rather worrying if some if it somehow travels over the river by seed, it could get into the cathedral. According to invasive plant specialist Environet, there are 45 known infestations of the UK's most invasive plant, Japanese knotweed, within a four kilometre radius of the cathedral. However, the weeds on Worcester's riverbanks have been identified as most likely giant and bohemian knotweed. Nick Seal, the founder and managing director of Environet, has said that Mrs Chambers' concerns are highly plausible if the situation is not dealt with promptly. All it takes is a piece of rhizome as small as a fingernail for this incredibly resilient and invasive plant to regrow. Once established, it will rapidly spread, colonising the new location and posing a threat to nearby homes and property. If left untreated, it's highly possible the knotweed will spread across the riverbank to the same side as Worcester Cathedral, so the best course of action is to deal with it as soon as possible and, importantly, check upriver for any other infestations that could pose a threat in the future. 
As it's on a riverbank, herbicide treatment is one method that can be used, but great care must be taken to avoid polluting the watercourse by using aquatic-safe herbicides. Permits will need to be obtained from the Environment Agency. Mr. Steel, Mr. Seal added, Japanese knotweed is UK's most invasive plant and is incredibly difficult to remove without professional help. It can pose a problem when selling property and it must be declared to any potential buyer which can impact the value and mortgage lenders will require a professional treatment plan to be in order in order for them to, la- to lend. Visit Worcestershire is inviting residents to discover more about the county they live in this summer. The Discover More campaign is launching this week and it aims to get residents to find out more about the county they call home, as well as attracting more visitors to this beautiful and diverse part of the country. Councillor Mark Bayliss, Cabinet Member for Economy and Skills, said, Our county has been ranked one of the happiest places in Britain, one of the safest and among the top 20 places to make your home for a better quality of life in recent years. This is in no small part due to our bustling towns and heritage city, lush countryside, history, culture, a passion for sport, value for money and less stress, plenty to discover for everyone. I'm looking forward to seeing how this campaign opens up our residents' eyes to the wonderful place we live in. You can always discover more about what is is on your doorstep. You can find out more about the group's campaign by visiting the Discover More pages of the Visit Worcestershire website. The trust which runs Worcestershire Royal Hospital has responded to reports a 76-year-old pensioner was left waiting 16 hours after suffering a suspected heart attack. Worcester Acute Hospital NHS Trust said its emergency staff worked incredibly hard and always prioritised treatment. John Farr of Mallard Close was left disgusted by the way he was treated at Worcestershire Royal Hospital A&E department. He sat in the waiting room throughout the night before he was told he had fluid around his heart, suggesting he may have suffered a heart attack. A spokesman for the Trust has said, Teams across our two emergency departments have been working incredibly hard to ensure patients receive appropriate and safe care throughout one of the most challenging periods in the history of the NHS. Our emergency departments have been very busy, with patient numbers well above what we were seeing this time two years ago caring for so many people while also making sure that we protect our patients and staff from the risk of COVID-19 infection is a significant challenge, but one that our dedicated staff are rising to. Although we are unable to comment on individual cases due to patient confidentiality, our emergency department team always triage and treat patients in order of clinical priority. If anyone feels that they have not been treated appropriately, we would encourage them to contact our patient advice liaison service as we can investigate and respond directly. We would urge the public to contact NHS 111 either online or by calling 111 to receive free urgent care advice before attending our A&E department or to use 999 in a life-threatening emergency. Readers are divided on whether Worcester should home repatriated 
Afghan refugees. We asked readers on the Worcester News Facebook page how many refugees the city should take after the Bishop of Worcester, Dr John Inge, said we have a moral imperative to help people fleeing the Taliban. Michelle Russell said, None. Sorry, but we should help our vulnerable people first. But we won't. This country gets its priorities wrong. Responding to her comment, Techuan Mimi wrote, These people are fleeing persecution after working with our British armed forces for over 20 years as translators and many other things. They are at huge risk of being slaughtered by the Taliban if they stay there. It will be horrible and inhumane of Britain to abandon the people and their families who have risked their lives helping this country. The government has enough money to do both. Blame your Tory government that steals millions in taxpayers' money. Chris Waldron wrote, None. Too many homeless and ex-military on the streets needing homes. Britain is struggling as it is. Why should Britain open its doors again? If it was the other way round, no one would help us out. Another commenter, John Renshaw, put the numbers into perspective. He wrote, the government is proposing that around 20,000 Afghan citizens will come to the UK. As the population of Worcestershire is 592,000 or thereabouts, that works out at around 180 refugees who will be resettled in the county. Any claims that will be swamped are wider the mark. Most of these people are fleeing persecution for having worked with the British Armed Forces over the last 20 years, and we should welcome them. Sarah Weston wrote, As many as we can possibly accommodate. If that means a mild inconvenience to a few local people, then tough. I can't begin to imagine what it's like to fear for my life due to the people controlling my country. The charitable trust which runs Huntingdon Hall and Swan Theatre has announced a rebrand. The Board of Trustees at Worcester Live Charitable Trust has announced the rebrand of Worcester Live to Worcester Theatres. Board Chairman John Murfin said, This is a really exciting time for our charity and we wanted to make sure everyone in Worcester and the surrounding area knew that the Worcester Theatre, Huntingdon Hall and the Worcester Repertory Company are all part of the same organisation. We're really proud of the recent developments so far and and our organisation are looking forward to a bright and dynamic future as Worcester Theatres. The launch of the new name will also be followed by the redevelopment of Worcester Theatres' website in the coming weeks, plus a redesign of all venue logos and the logo for the overarching brand. The board hopes the new name is more representative of what the organisation is, what they do and their ambition for the future. Their aim is not only to attract more audience into the city, but to present a new identity which recognises the wider range of programming the Trust is continuing to build. Several substantial physical improvements have been made in recent years using funding from external supporters to both the Swan Theatre and Huntingdon Hall. Improvements include necessary aesthetic changes and planned ongoing developments, to make both venues more accessible for audiences and visiting talent. Worcester Theatre attracts audiences 
at a radius of 45 miles into the city to attend shows at both of their venues, including an annual pantomime and summer production at the Commandery. Most recently, it launched Worcester Fringe Festival and has an ongoing and developing partnership with the Royal Porcelain Works to help organise events such as film screenings, plays, spoken word events and live music at Henry Sandon Hall. Households are being reminded of the new rules in place for using the county's tips and recycling services. All 17 centres resumed normal service from Monday, July the 19th, but some new measures remain in place that came about during lockdown. A booking system is still being used for drivers looking to take their household waste to the tips, with each individual centre having its own system and visitors are being urged to respect the safety of staff and others by maintaining social distance on arrival. Organisers have also warned sites may close at short notice if traffic congestion becomes an issue. It comes as recycling centres saw huge growth in visitors during lockdown, with more people staying at home to do DIY projects and clearing out unwanted items from the home. Worcestershire centres boast an average of around 70% of the items being sent to them end up being recycled and reused. However, a spike in fly tipping prompted Worcester City Council to bring back Saturday skips. For more information and other guidelines in place, visit 7-waste.com forward slash household hyphen recycling hyphen centres. The University of Worcester will be turned red for the annual World Leukaemia Day. The university's arena on Hilton Road will be lit up red on, Sat- on September the 4th as part of the Spot Leukaemia Campaign, which is being organised by national blood cancer charity Leukaemia Care. The venue will join 27 other landmarks across the UK which are turning red to raise awareness of the signs and symptoms of the devastating illness. The six most common symptoms of leukaemia are fatigue, feeling weak or breathless, fever, bruising or bleeding, repeated infections and joint or bone pain. The 28 locations represent the 28 people who are diagnosed with leukaemia in the UK every day. Leukaemia has a significantly higher rate of emergency diagnosis, 42% compared with the overall cancer average, 21%. Emergency diagnosis is associated with a reduced prospect of survival and leukaemia is attributed to nearly 5,000 deaths every two years. Leukaemia Care Chief Executive Zach Pemberton-Whiteley said we're delighted that the University of Worcester will be lighting red on the 4th of September for World Leukaemia Day to help raise awareness. This is part of our ongoing efforts to ensure that people can spot leukaemia. Leukaemia can be hard to spot because the signs and symptoms are common to other unrelated illnesses. Early diagnosis saves lives. World Leukaemia Day, which takes place every year on September the 4th, also offers the chance for patients, charities and healthcare workers to share their own stories of their experiences of the illness. To find out more about the Spot Leukaemia campaign, head to the spotleukemia.org.uk. 
One of the elephants making up Worcester's big parade has had to be fenced off after suffering damage, organisers have said. The gardener, which is based in Corn Market, requires repairs, the Twitter account of the art trail has said. In the tweet they said, If you're joining us for hashtag Wusk's Big Parade, you'll spot that the gardener has been fenced off. Unfortunately, it's sustained some damage and requires a little TLC. The trail, fundraising for St Richard's Hospice, is entering its final week, so instead of removing it for repairs, it is being kept at the location but fenced off. We don't want anyone to miss out with just a week of the trail to go, so hope you can still enjoy from further afar, Worcester's Big Parade added. It's unclear how the elephant sculpture from artists Rachel and Philippa Corcutt has sustained the damage. Previously, we reported people had been spotting sitting on the top of the panda and life snakes and ladders elephant sculptures with Tricia Cavell, fundraising director at St Richard's Hospice, warning people must not climb any of the sculptures for their own safety. People must not climb or sit on any elephant sculpture for their own safety, she said. Climbing and sitting on the elephants can damage them too. It damages the beautiful paintwork before the sculptures will be auctioned for our care in the autumn. Please help us to keep the herd looking their best and in turn help us raise funds to support patients and their families here in Worcestershire when they need us. The Wild in Art event that features 30 large elephants, 36 smaller calf sculptures and two interactive digital installations runs until next Sunday, September the 5th. At the end of the trail, each large elephant will be auctioned to raise money for the hospice's ongoing care for patients living with serious progressive illnesses and their loved ones. The Inland Waterways Association celebrated its 75th anniversary year at Purderswell Park in Worcester during the August Bank Holiday weekend and they were joined by thousands of eager visitors keen to join in the fun. There were lots of activities for children in the Find It, Do It Worcester Arena, the Wild Over Waterways Marquee and the Victorian Fun Fair. The choice and quality of delicious food from pizzas and donuts to stew and irresistible duck fat roasted potatoes were outstanding and the caterers were delighted with the demand. The sun brought out queues of people to sample the real ale and the artists in the entertainment marquee, including local groups, played to full houses. Close to a 100 boats, from traditional working boats to modern narrow boats decked with bunting, flags and flowers, were moored along the towpath and attracted a constant stream of admirers. Councillor Adrian Gregson, Deputy Mayor of the City of Worcester, who opened the festival, said he was delighted to welcome the Inland Waterways Association back to the Worcester and Birmingham Canal, where its formation was first muted just a few miles away at Tardy Big. Since that memorable time, many hundreds of miles of waterways have been restored thanks to the campaigning work of the IWA and its Waterways Recovery Group during its 75-year history. 
Paul Rogers, National Chairman of IWA, whose volunteers have worked tirelessly for the past two years towards putting on this event, despite it having to be cancelled in 2020 due to COVID, said he was extremely grateful to the team at Worcester City Council for their unwavering support to the caterers and stallholders who hold the faith and all the volunteers and gave their time and put in so much effort to ensure the event was such a success. Twelve people in the county died from, from coronavirus in a week across all settings, according to the latest figures. The Office for National Statistics said 12 people in Worcestershire died from COVID-19, where the virus was mentioned on the death certificate, in the week up to August the 20th, including nine people in hospital. This means that 1,385 people in Worcestershire have so far died from COVID-19. Of the people that died in hospital from coronavirus, three were from Redditch, two were from Worcester, two people were from Witchhaven, and a further two people were from Wire Forest. Two people from Wire Forest also died in a care home, and one person from Worcester died at home from coronavirus. The latest Public Health England figures show 1,567 cases were recorded in Worcestershire in the week up to August the 27th, a drop of 7% compared to the previous week. A total of 263 cases were recorded in Worcester in the same week, a fall of almost 4% compared to the week before. Cases in Morven Hills fell by more than 22% in a week to 167 and the number of cases in Witchhaven, which includes Evesham, Pershaw and Droitwich, fell by almost 9% compared to the previous week to 281 cases. A total of 353 cases were recorded in Bromsgrove, a fall of 12%, and cases increased slightly by 2% in Redditch to 255 in Wire Forest, cases fell by just one in a week to 248. The latest NHS figures show 408,422 in Worcestershire have now been vaccinated, having received both doses of a COVID vaccine, just under 87% of those el eligible. Roughly 80% of Worcestershire or 441,242 people, has received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine, according to the same figures. The uptake of vaccines in Worcester is slightly lower for second doses, where it currently sits at just under 75%, but more than 83% of people have so far received at least one dose. Homes and businesses will benefit from investment aimed to protect the area from flooding. Worcester will receive £238,000 to combat flooding in 2021-2022, to 173000 of which will go towards better protecting 35 homes in Lower Wick. MP for Worcester Robin Walker said, Worcester residents know the damage flooding can do to communities, which is why I have made additional flood defences and protection for homes and businesses a priority since I was elected in 2010. 
the city centre scheme to reduce surface water damage will help keep the area around the hive safe, while a major scheme to protect Toronto Close will invest £160,000 in an area whose residents have suffered a great deal. Importantly, these investments will help to guard homes and families from the devastating impact of flooding, allowing people to feel reassured about the safety of their home. The funding is part of the government's nationwide $5.2 billion investment into flood protection and coastal erosion over the next six years, with £860 million in the upcoming year. The Flood and Coastal Erosion Investment Plan will help protect a total of 336,000 properties in England, including 70 in Worcester. It is hoped the work will help the country avoid around £32 billion in damages as well as reducing the national flood risk by up to 11%. Alongside the funding will be consultations in the autumn where the government will look at how to better protect frequently flooded communities following a call for evidence earlier this year. The government is also bringing its tighter guidance for planning authorities as well as making improvements to flood insurance such as measures to allow flooded households to claim extra money to install protection such as air brick covers, flood doors and flood resistant paint. Environment Secretary George Eustace said we are standing by communities and will booster bolster defences against flooding across England with many thousands more properties better protected by 2027. It's important we take action right across the system. Our comprehensive plan will achieve this by tightening planning procedures, helping more people access insurance and making homes more resilient to flooding. Dozens of new jobs are to be created in Worcester as the UK's largest flooring manufacturer moves to the city. Victoria PLC, which makes and distributes flooring nationwide, is moving part of its UK operations to the Worcester 6 business park. According to the company, the move will create 60 new jobs over the next five years. The company has enlisted the help of Stowford to submit a planning application to Witchhaven District Council for a 180,000 square foot unit for the company, which has been based in Kidderminster since 1900 and has agreed a 15-year lease for Unit 7 at the site. Edward Peel, Development Manager for Stowford, said the base build of the unit will be net carbon zero in operation and will feature electric car charging points and solar panels on the roof. He said attracting yet another global player to Worcester 6 is a real success story. The building of Unit 7 will enable Victoria PLC to continue its growth plans, which can only be good news for the local economy. We're looking forward to working closely with it as we develop its plans for a sustainable new base. Worcester 6 is living up to its reputation as a game-changing development. Victoria PLC Chief Executive Philippe Hamers said the new building will future-proof the business and strengthen its workforce. 
He said, this move will allow us to further develop and grow our workforce using local skills and we are hoping to develop a work experience and apprenticeship scheme in the next two years to complement this and aid our continued growth. The location of Worcester 6 is perfect. This gives immediate access to the motorway network. Combine this with how long we have been an employer in this area, the local workforce who have great experience in flooring, and the fact that we are able to future-proof our business by building a fit-for-purpose headquarters in an attractive setting with all of the green credentials we are striving for, offers an exciting future for us. Single yellow lines will be painted on London Road this week, despite protests of residents and people living nearby. There are discussions among residents about protesting the painting of the lines on Thursday morning over fears they will exacerbate problems on Fort Royal Hill and people will lose parking outside their homes from 7am and 7pm. The temporary single yellow lines will be put in painted on two sections of London Road on Thursday. The two sets of no waiting lines will be placed near houses numbered 57 to 65 and a second section near 162A to 174. They will be monitored to see how successful they are at combating congestion on the road near the city centre. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said... In line with experimental traffic regulation order, single yellow lines will be installed this week on London Road along with signs detailing the restrictions. The experimental traffic regulation order comes into force on the 2nd of September. It comes despite fears that residents will be left with nowhere to park once the restrictions have been put in place. They're also worried that plans to put in hatching and lining by the junction with Fort Royal Hill have not been mentioned. Worcestershire County Council has not responded to requests for a comment. Penny Perrett, who lives in nearby Fort Royal Hill, said 60 neighbours had signed a petition presented to Worcestershire County Council against the lines. We are objecting that there are likely to be more cars parked in Fort Royal Hill where there are already too many cars. It's already incredibly busy with people parking on the pavement so people have to walk on the road. There will be an accident. Previously, Lynn Denham, Cathedral Ward City Councillor, said the yellow lines will go outside people's homes who have nowhere else to park. The surrounding areas are already chock-a-block with parking, so it is already a problem. Police have been distributing rape alarms to women. South Worcestershire Police said they have been working with partners in order to offer reassurance and to provide personal safety advice. A prime factor being the reduction of the perception and feelings of vulnerability among female members of the community. In order to achieve this, officers have been having face-to-face discussions outlining, outlining crime security points, including the use of the HollyGuard app and provision of personal attack alarms. Earlier this month, officers attended Worcestershire Racecourse Ladies Day where they issued more than 130 alarms to attendees and last week officers worked with Worcester BID and Worcester City Council Community Safety Youth Engagement Officers in Worcester City Centre 
where they interacted with staff and customers within the city's nighttime economy scene. During the night, 150 alarms were provided. Sergeant Simon Hallam of the problem-solving hub department said, These are just some of the examples of police and partners addressing local and national issues by interacting with members of our local communities. Since the reopening of our night economy, on the back of the reduction of COVID social distancing restrictions, we are seeing some more positive signs that Worcestershire is returning to some sort of normality. As such, we want people to feel safe and enjoy being out and about again. The Worcester Bid, Worcester City Council and West Mercia police officers were handing out the alarms to young people in the centre of town last weekend. Police and Crime Commissioner John Campion has allocated funding for 5,000 personal safety alarms as a part of his pledge to tackle violence against women. He says offering these free alarms provides personal safety for potentially vulnerable individuals and with the nighttime economy returning to some normality after the last 18 months, he says it is evident we need to do more to ensure our community is safe. If any individuals or businesses wish to obtain personal attack alarms, then please contact the front counter at Worcester Police Station, Castle Street, Worcester, or email South Worcestershire Problem Solving Hub at problemsolvinghub-southworcestershire at westmerciapn.police.uk. A local veteran, Andrew Watkins, was struggling with PTSD, long-term sickness, mental health and debt before returning to SSAFA, the Armed Forces Charity, for help. Andrew served for 12 years in the Royal Air Force before leaving the military in 1990. He started off in 37 Squadron and served in the Falklands, Cyprus and Germany. After he left the forces, Andrew found himself in £19,000 worth of debt and out of work in construction. His mental health was suffering and he had developed a hernia. He struggled to see a way out. Andrew had previously contacted his local SSAFA branch in Worcestershire four years ago when seeking work and needed support with travel and rent. When things got worse, he was unsure if he could receive further support from the charity, but a friend helped persuade him and he got in touch with SSAFA Worcestershire. When Andrew approached his local branch, they signposted and supported him with a debt relief order and mental health support for PTSD, which included a gym membership recommended for his mental health. SSAFA Worcestershire was also able to help with his housing situation, providing new carpets, improving the small bathroom and toilet area and a new fridge freezer. Andrew Watkins said, I am now debt-free, waiting for an operation and in a much better place than I was before. I'm hoping to have my operation in November and after recovery start work again. I basically want to say a big thank you to SSAFA for all they have done for me. I wouldn't be where I am now without them. Tony Hacken, branch secretary, said, We are so pleased with the direction Andrew is heading on the road to recovery.
If you are from the armed forces community and do need help, please do get in contact and start the conversation. The Armed Forces Charity has been providing lifelong support to our forces and their families since 1885, supporting the service, serving including reservists, veterans and their families. If you are in need of support or are interested in volunteering to support your local armed forces community, please contact SSAFA Worcestershire on 01905 21728. An anonymous donor has offered Worcester Art Gallery and Museum £300,000. The mysterious philanthropist has offered the money to purchase new artworks and improve facilities at the Fourgate Street building. The plans await approval from Worcester City Council's Policy and Resources Committee. The donor hopes this will raise the profile of the gallery by purchasing artworks that attract both national and international attention, which in turn should draw in more tourists to the city. They said this donation, if confirmed, will provide a timely opportunity for a significant development of Worcester Art Gallery and Museum and its internal and display areas to add to its collection and to encourage other galleries to lend work from their collections would also provide a focus to attract other public contributions, both in terms of financial donations and suitable works of art, providing an additional draw to the public and tourists, while also helping to promote the economic and cultural status of Worcester. Council leader, Councillor Mark Bayliss said, this is an extremely generous donation and I hope it can provide a significant legacy to both Worcester Art Gallery and our city's culture. On behalf of Worcester, I would like to thank the donor for this remarkable act of philanthropy. Plans are already being drawn up to expand the building's art gallery and to improve visitor facilities, and this money will go a long way to supporting the development. Plans are part of Worcester Town Investment Plan, which has secured £19.6 million from the government. There are additional plans to establish a new charity which will support fundraising for the city and county museums, and the £300,000 donation, if approved, will be used as the basis for attracting further contributions. The Policy and Resources Committee will consider the offer of the donation at its meeting on Tuesday, September the 7th. A drunk man who was fined by magistrates looked visibly relieved after being told he was not facing a return to prison. At Worcester Magistrates Court, Simon Cowles admitted being drunk and disorderly in a public place. Cowles of Mortlake Avenue, Worcester, was initially told a suspended sentence had not been activated when he went to prison earlier this year for the assault of an emergency worker, so he risked a return to custody. But after his records were checked by the court clerk, it was discovered Cowles had suspended sentence had been activated when he went to prison for 12 weeks in April. The 45-year-old then breathed a huge sigh of relief after being told he wouldn't be going back behind bars. Mark Hambling, prosecuting, said, At 1.20am on the morning of Monday, July the 19th, in Whittington Road, near Oak Apple Pub, 
police officers were called to reports that cowls had passed out. Mr Hamling said, The paramedics were there. They said he was medically unfit, unable to walk. It took officers several minutes to rouse Mr Cowles, but he was not capable of engaging with them because he was so drunk. He added Cowles' previous convictions included drunk and disorderly offences in 2013 and 2015, and prior to that, motoring offences that involved alcohol. Cowles, defending himself, said, It was a slip-up that night. There was a bereavement in the family. That's not an excuse. I'm responsible for my actions. I have been here too many times. I'm engaging on an alcohol programme at Cranston. I apologise for my actions that night. A probation report confirmed he had been engaging with post-prison supervision and, and as an alcohol was the main issue, he was attending weekly AA meetings and Cranston for help. Sentencing Cowles, Simon Freeburn, chairman of the magistrate's bench, said... You have a record we have taken into account, but we also take into account the progress you are making. He was fined £40 and ordered to pay costs of £85 and a victim surcharge of £34, a total of £159, which is to be deducted from his benefits. Worcester has taken a big step to becoming a dementia-friendly community according to the UK's leading dementia charity. Worcester Dementia Action Alliance has again been awarded the status of working to become a dementia-friendly community following an annual assessment by the Alzheimer's Society. Such a community is described as a city, town or village where people with dementia are understood, respected and supported. Cat Horner Midlands Dementia Friendly Development Officer for the Alzheimer's Society said, Worcester Alliance has, a, has continued to be a strong voice for people with dementia. The Worcester community are in a good position to continue making the city a more dementia friendly place to live. The WDAA was founded in December 2016 and is a network which is made up of a wide range of organisations such as care providers, charities, sports clubs, city centre shops and businesses which work together to make the city a more dementia-friendly place. Individuals are also welcome to join as dementia friends. Throughout the pandemic, the Alliance has continued to hold Zoom meetings and help people living with dementia in Worcester enjoy life to the fullest. Lynn Denham, chair of Worcester Dementia Action Alliance, said, It has been a difficult time for many people living with dementia. We are pleased that the Alzheimer's Society has recognised the work that we have continued to do. She added, I want to thank all our Alliance members for their dedication and for their achievements during the past year. The Alliance has ambitious plans to make Worcester more dementia-friendly. We are talking to some new partners and are keen to help any business or venue become more dementia-friendly. This summer, members of the Alliance opened the first dementia meeting centres in Worcester. Meeting centres are a concept first developed in the Netherlands before being introduced to the UK by University of Worcester's Association for Dementia Studies, 
ADS. Director of the ADS, Professor Dawn Brooker said, Worcestershire is the first local authority in the country to make provision for this vital community sport support, which we believe could be a real game changer. Age UK and on-site advocacy, members of WDAA, provide the Dementia Wellbeing Service across the county and can be contacted on 0800 008 6077 or at referralhub at ageukhw.org.uk. We now have a few sporting articles which we will share with you. Worcestershire spinner Josh Baker demonstrated more of his potential with a superb seven-wicket haul in the 219-run win over Warwickshire in a second eleven championship match at New Road. Baker produced a decisive spell of four wickets in the space of six overs during the afternoon session to break the back of the Warwickshire innings and complete his first five for in SEC cricket. The 18-year-old went on to return figures of 33, 14, 59, 7, as Warwickshire, who reached 198 for two at one stage, were bowled out for 257 in 97 overs. Baker had taken a hat-trick in the previous SEC match against Nottinghamshire at Lady Bay Sports Club, in early July and signed a rookie contract for Worcestershire. He then went on to make his LV Insurance County Championship debut against Warwickshire and play every game in the Royal London Cup campaign and did not look out of place at senior level. Worcestershire picked out 21 points from their third SEC win of the season. It was an ideal workout for many of the senior players with either bat or ball before the county championship clash with Sussex at New Road beginning on Monday. Warwickshire resumed on 81 for 1, but one of the overnight batsmen, Chris Wokes, retired not out on 10 to link up with Warwickshire for their Vitality Blast quarter-final at Canterbury tonight. Hamza Sheikh, 15, who began the day on 55 not out, again battled impressively in moving on to 73, but the introduction of Baker into the attack led to his downfall. He went for a drive and only succeeded in giving Baker a return catch. Matthew Lamb went to a fluent half-century off 76 balls with 11 boundaries as Warwickshire reached 172 for two from 64 overs at lunch. But Baker brought about a collapse after play resumed. Warwickshire captain Jacob Bethel, 28, was bold, and then Ethan Brooks, 3, suffered too. Baker enjoyed another breakthrough when Lamb was also bold for a fine 88. Paceman Adam Finch came back into the attack and he accounted for Kai Smith, zero, and Baker completed his 5-4 when removing Michael Booth. 
The procession of wickets followed with Liam Norwell, 7, Manraj Jahal, 0, both LBW to Baker in the space of four balls. Jake Libby, who hit a century yesterday, picked up the last wicket when Carl Carver was LBW for five. Nine athletes from Worcestershire will be attending this year's School Games National Finals at Loughborough University. It is the first UK multi-sport competition for young athletes to take place after lockdown. The SGNF sees the most talented young athletes from across the UK travel to Loughborough for a weekend of positive competition. Now in its 14th year, the finals have a star-studded past, with many young competitors going on to achieve Olympic fame. 80 athletes who compete at Tokyo 2020 began their sporting career at the SGNF. One of the young stars to show this week is Worcester-based netball sensation Maisie Lyons. Maisie, 15, is currently involved in the player pathway system at Vitality Super League, netball franchise Seven Stars, and will be taking part in the netball tournament at the finals this week. As for many young aspiring sportsmen and women, the past 18 months have been a real challenge for Maisie, but she has maintained her competitive edge even during the toughest times of lockdown. It was quite tough, admitted Maisie, who goes to the Royal Grammar School, Worcester. There was nothing to do. I kept wanting to play and train as hard as I normally do, but our coaches had to step in and tell us to not overtrain. Your body needs rest. Everybody at home, as well as coaches, have been so supportive and everyone has done their bit to help me. But now, on the day the finals begin, Maisie is excited to get stuck in. I will be playing against the best athletes in my sport. There will be a lot to learn and the challenge will help me progress, she said. I've never been to an event over two days, so that would be a new experience and an exciting one, and also looking around Loughborough University. Maisie is hopeful of being as successful as possible in the next few days before using her experience to spur her on to make her way through the age groups and one day with the VSL itself. That's the goal, to play in the VSL, she said. I know it's a lot. I watch all the star games and lots of the other ones as well. You can learn so much from just watching. It's a rising sport, so it's easier to access now, and that's a good thing. The list of the Worcestershire athletes on show are Dan Pennington-Bridges, age 17, wheelchair basketball, Budley, Izzy Thompson, age 15, netball, Chris Pavley, age 16, cricket, Callum Holland, age 15, hockey, all Bromsgrove, Tom Barley, age 16, triathlon, Castle Morton, Amelia Lane, age 17, hockey, from Droitwich, Lucy Hatfield, age 15, laser run, Redditch, and Maisie Lyons, age 15, and Freya Sinclair, age 15, both netball, from Worcester. Worcester City suffered their first defeat of the season on Monday as they were beaten 3-0 at home by Lye Town. The goals all came in the second half and despite a late red card to former City forward Jordan Harrison, the hosts were unable to continue their undefeated start to the Midland Football League Premier Division campaign. A brilliant free kick from Lye's Ben Billingham five minutes after the break 
put the visitors ahead after an uneventful opening period. Shake Whittingham doubled his side's lead 15 minutes from time before Harrison was sent off in the closing stages following a melee in the lie box. The points were then wrapped up in stoppage time as Sam Ty tucked home and ensured Town jumped up above City in the league table into eighth. Having played just two days prior, both sides struggled in their first half and it took until the 27th minute for either keeper to be tested when James Douglas's free kick was palmed over by lie keeper Ryan Bridgewater. Aside from that effort, there was little more to report. Worcester enjoyed plenty of possession and a number of corners, but could not fashion a proper chance. After the break, it took only five minutes for the deadlock to be broken. Referee Joshua Sodbury awarded a free kick on the right-hand side, just outside the box, and Billingham stepped up and curled it over the wall and into the top corner. City looked to respond quickly, and in the 58th minute, Billy Shaw should have made more of a two-on-one situation created by Chris Sterling, but the midfielder rushed his shot and the ball trickled through to the keeper. The lead was doubled on the 77th minute and essentially put the game to bed when Whittingham used his pace to get in behind the City defence before slotting home off the post. There were some confusions the ball didn't hit the net, but the linesman confirmed it across the line. The host still pushed to reduce the deficit and substitute Chris Withingham and Aaron Birch had chances to score before Harrison was sent off. The former City man got involved in the handbags that ensued following a scuffle between Luke English and Bridgewater. The dismal afternoon was then capped off deep into stoppage time as Ty capitalised on a defensive mistake. Worcester City have joined those in paying tribute to their former defender Sam Oji, who died last week. The ex-Birmingham City defender and Arsenal Academy product died following a short illness. OG played for a year at Worcester between 2016 and 17 before the club dropped down into the National North from the Midland Football League. A statement from Worcester City read, We are very sorry to learn of the passing of former player Sam Oji. Our thoughts and condolences go out to his family, friends and all that knew this lovely man, R.I.P. Sam. City striker Daniel Westwood who played with the 35-year-old at Highgate United, knew the defender on and off the pitch, having invited him to feature on his non-league football podcast. I joined Highgate around the same time he was there, said Westwood, but more so I knew him through the podcast. He was somebody we identified with because he played for so many clubs. People always said how much of a gentleman he was, a larger-than-life character, and that's what's shone through when we interviewed him for the podcast. He has stories for days, a top guy. Whilst Westwood enjoyed his time with OG, he admits he was horrible to play against, referring to his great passion for the game. I played against him when he was at Hensford and I was at Stafford and it was a big game. In the nicest possible way, he was a horrible to play against and a real 
had a real passion for football, a brilliant defender, but he was the type who would shake your hand after a top man and a real professional. It's awful news. It's shocking. It's the only word that comes to mind and it makes you put everything into perspective. My condolences and thoughts go out to his family and close friends. At 35 as well, it's awful. City were in action on Saturday against Wolverhampton Casuals and before the game manager Tim Harris also joined those paying tribute. Terribly sad news for everybody who knew him, said Harris. Obviously, he has played against some of my sides in the past and always acquitted himself as a professional and a great athlete. Some of the comments I have heard, it's just tragic and my thoughts go out to his family and friends. And that is the end of our contribution for this week. Thank you very much uh, for listening. And it just remains for me to say um, goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Uh, And now we have the obituaries for this week. Brian Patrick O'Connor. Brian passed away peacefully on Wednesday the 11th of August. There will be a funeral service held at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Monday the 6th of September at 10.45am. Donations, if wished, are for St Richard's Hospice. All inquiries to AV Band. John Baker passed away on 11th of August. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 3rd of September at 1pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for Motor Neurone Disease Association may be left at the crematorium or sent direct to the charity or care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Susan Playden passed away on 11th of August. Funeral service at Worcester Crematorium on Monday the 6th of September at 1.45pm. Family flowers only please, but donations if desired for St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate at the crematorium or sent to E.J. Gummery and Son. John Ethelbert Bartlett passed away peacefully. Funeral service at Poet Church, Worcester, Monday the 6th of September at 11am followed by committal at Worcester Crematorium. Family flowers only please. Donations for the Alzheimer's Society may be sent to care of Bedwardine Funeral Services. Uh, Kenneth Bing passed away peacefully on the 12th of August. Susan Robry, nay Rimmel, passed away peacefully on August the 13th. Funeral service to take place at St Mary's Church, Kemsey, on Tuesday the 7th of September at 12.30, followed by a committal at the Vale Crematorium, Fladbury. Family flowers only, with donations to Midlands Air Ambulance or Friends of Purton, sent care of Bedwardine Funeral Services, St John's. Robert, known as Bob Hayes, Passed away peacefully on the 16th of August. Funeral service to take place at Wire Forest Crematorium on Monday the 6th of September at 11.30. Family flowers only, but donations in Rob's memory to Roger Bradley Legacy Fund, care of Edwin Harris and Sons, 
in Kidderminster. And Keith Fisher passed away on the 19th of August. His funeral service will take place on St George's Roman Catholic Church, Worcester, on Tuesday the 7th of September at 12 noon. And our thoughts and prayers go to all those bereaved at this difficult time. <laughs> 